Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Weird Flicks But Okay. I'm Eric. I'm Chelsea. And we are going to talk today about a movie that just came out, which is exciting. It's uh, Todd Phillips' Joker movie. Can you please stop bothering my kid? Sorry. Arthur, I have some bad news for you. This is the last time we'll be meeting. You don't listen, do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. Um, this movie is starring Joaquin Phoenix in the title role. It's also starring Robert De Niro, Mark Maron. Uh, Todd Phillips has a very interesting uh, filmography leading up to this movie, which uh, we can discuss a little bit. Um, but <laughs> it was, it's, I would say it's an unprecedented film from someone like him. Yeah, so he previously did the Hangover movies, all three of them. Yeah. <laughs> Due date, War Dogs, Starsky and Hutch, old school road trip. So like that's his normal. Yeah, his forte <laughs> is like the bad, irreverent comedies. Um with like yeah. All bad, but some beloved <laughs> nevertheless. <laughs> yeah, I mean some of them are are definitely beloved, but um none of them I, I would say are, you know, timeless. None of them are very artsy no i will say the hangover has like weirdly good cinematography Mm. i feel like he cared about that a lot for some reason um and you can see that he does have a a flair for visual like nice clean aesthetics in this movie as well yeah um but anyway that's just to sort of set up the precedent of uh where did this movie come from because it's certainly an interesting choice from a director who previously just did a bunch of irreverent comedies. Um, so this movie is uh, sort of an origin story of the Joker character from Batman. Um, I'm pretty sure no one was asking for this movie to be made. No. And honestly, when I first heard about it and I'm sure a lot of other people felt this way, why? Yeah. It's my kind of first thought. Oh yeah, definitely. And it was right on the heels of like, Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. And like that wasn't the best portrayal ever right. of the Joker. So I was just thinking, why do we need more? Yeah. The Joker, I feel like, has been done to death at this point. I mean, we've had oh, so absolutely. many iterations and some of them have been brilliant. I mean, even Cesar Romero's was like an interesting take on him back in the, in the 60s. And uh, Jack Nicholson did an amazing Joker in 1989's Batman. Um, Heath Ledger obviously has been like the the most recent sort of transcendent Joker yeah. performance. Historically, one of the best. Yeah, that you could argue. Yeah, I mean, and and everyone has their favorite. I mean, that's that's how often this guy's shown up. Is that everyone has like their favorite Joker? Um, and unfortunately, I think Jared Leto is probably someone's favorite. But, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sure. He yeah, is. yeah. Um, so that's sort of the backdrop of like what we were feeling going into this movie. Why does it, why did it happen? Was anyone asking for this movie to be made? What's going to set this apart from 
all the other Jokers we've seen. Um, and Joaquin Phoenix being attached to it. I mean, I've always been super impressed with his work. Um, and I thought if he delved into it as much as he delved into like his role in the master and stuff like that, this could definitely be something special. But I also had no idea like what the vibe of this movie was going to be because Todd Phillips has no precedent for like what a Joker movie from Todd Phillips would look like. Um, so just to quickly go over the premise of the movie um, and the, the story here. So it starts out with this, this character, um, Arthur Fleck, who is sort of a severely um, sick person. Uh, he has a lot of mental health issues and he basically is in a system that is abandoning him um, for the most part. He starts out, he's on a series of heavy medications and I'm sure antipsychotics. Um, and he is seeing a therapist, which appears to be like a court mandated therapist, maybe. Um, and these, these systems that are in place, uh, eventually are, are defunded. And then he's, uh, forced to not have any support system. He takes care of his mother, um, who is basically like a shut in invalid kind of person. And he strives to be sort of an entertainer in, in, any way that he can. Uh, he tries to be a clown and uh, a stand-up comedian. And he loves like this late night talk show um, that is um, hosted by Robert De Niro's character. Um, as the movie continues, uh, less and less support is there for him. And the world is a very cruel and bitter place and sort of beats him down. And we see his transformation into sort of like what that kind of person can become when there's nothing there for them in a society that uh, doesn't support uh, people that, that need that support. Um, so the movie takes this path of seeing him evolve from what seems like a gentle sort of um, misunderstood person into a very violent, um, reactive criminal. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's sort of the, the loose plot of this movie. Um, Chelsea, what'd you think? I really liked it. Um, I mean, I guess I have my criticisms as well, especially as far as content goes, but as far as aesthetics go, I was here for all of it. Yeah. I thought the cinematography was so good. Yeah. Uh, the score was great. It was creepy. Yeah. Score was really good. Yeah. Uh, the absence of music I thought was really good too mm -hmm. at certain parts and obviously jo Joaquin Phoenix yeah Joaquin Phoenix <laughs> uh, his performance was uh, eccentric mm -hmm. uh, and kind of artsy in itself but it really it went well with the movie it all it was just like a very cohesive aesthetic yeah and I liked it a lot yeah I did too um, I think that there was a lot of, um, like unreliable narration happening on the part of like us seeing the movie from the subjective point of view of someone whose mental health is not stable. Completely. Um, and that's more overt at times where like we see sort of an imagined relationship he has with someone mm -hmm. 
um, throughout the course of the movie. And it's revealed that he's been sort of projecting this thing that doesn't exist. And I think that it's much more subtle at times, too, where we're just not sure what is real and what isn't. Right. And I think that's very effective. An effective way to go about this movie is having that unreliable narrator. Yeah. Um, it allows us to have a perspective that we might not have if we're seeing it, for example, from like Bruce Wayne's point of view, which right. you see him briefly in the movie as a kid, um, which actually that reminds me of something else that kind of took me by surprise. I know this movie is supposed to be a standalone Joker story. I actually didn't expect as many Gotham or Batman references as we actually got. Yeah, I wasn't either. At all. It felt more in the world of Gotham than I was anticipating. Yeah, me too. I thought it was almost going to be like an ambiguous kind of New York. I didn't even know if they would refer to it as Gotham. Although yeah. that makes, I guess that makes sense. But like, and I didn't expect to see Arkham and. Yeah, I didn't either. Or I, hear about the Waynes even. Yeah. Much at all, but we did. We did. We, we got quite a bit of that, um, at least compared to what I was expecting. Right. Um, and also the, the perception, sort of the seeing the movie through the subjective filter of this character, I think creates a very sympathetic perspective on him um, yes. as opposed to usually, I don't think the Joker really has much sympathy from the audience. Um, he's a psychopath. He's a killer. Right. And is, he seems unmotivated by anything other than that. He enjoys killing people in pain. But right. in this movie, we see sort of this like falling down esque like, transformation of someone who's really trying their hardest and the world just keeps beating them down and they end up being forced to their breaking point and, and snapping basically. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that obviously his actions are unjustified because violence is not the answer to those problems. But I do think that like, the reason that he snaps is very justified. And we, it, we're presented that information in a way that makes us really feel for anyone that would be in this situation. Anyone who is dealing with severe mental illness and, you know, doesn't have insurance or there's no government system to like help them. There's, there's no system in place to like assist them in their just being a, a person in the yeah. world. Not to mention they're almost always living in poverty. Yeah. And um, he is, he's an impoverished right. person. Which the film likes to kind of touch on that sometimes. Um, I know that Phillips had said this isn't supposed to make a political statement, but there are certainly political themes Um the class system and yeah. society as a whole and the rich versus the poor. Yeah. There's a, there's a massive like socioeconomic sort of backdrop to this story. And I think that whether or not Todd Phillips meant to make it political, that inherently becomes a political discussion. Exactly. Um, because that's like the things that we as, you know, informed citizens try to vote on and, change the future of our country based on what we think is the right way to go about things. And at the core of this movie, um, in addition to just seeing Arthur's story, we're sort of simultaneously seeing 
Thomas Wayne's um, like run for for mayor. Yeah, or, it's impossible to ignore. Yeah. And what's really interesting is that I think this is like basically the first time, at least in film, that we see Thomas Wayne portrayed as like a one percenter. Yeah, in asshole. a negative light. Yeah. Almost kind of Trump-esque. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, businessman yeah. moved into politics. Right. And I think like trying to, he talks a lot about like the people, the, the people. And actually this reminds me of like something Hillary Clinton had said too, when she was running where, um, you know, she basically said derogatory things about the lower class, despite mm-hmm. the fact that she's like, I'm trying to save you. Like there's, it's basically this idea of like, I'm going to pull you out of the dirt, whether or not you know that right. I'm good for you. They're not. Re- I feel like they're not really aware of their own biases, right? As far as that goes, and <laughs> and they're making themselves like incredibly unlikable in that regard too, and more unrelatable than yeah. they already were. Super unrelatable, yeah. Um, and I think that's like a really valid thing because, uh, you know, wealthy politicians often do say stuff like that, and um, it's just the the lack of sympathy that you see in Thomas Wayne in this movie i think the lack of like humanity uh when arthur tries to discuss things with him when he confronts him in person mm-hmm. when he confronts the wayne family in general and like granted he's a strange man and he's approaching their children and right i actually thought of that while we were watching the movie in several instances like if I were there and I saw this man doing these things that he was doing, how I would feel. Yeah. And I got to admit, I would, you know, I would think it was pretty strange. Yeah. Well, he's, probably... He makes people uncomfortable, I yeah. think, for a good reason, because most people that are behaving like him historically, we've seen are not well-intentioned. Um, right. And I think that the problem is that he has a can he has a series of conditions that really make him sort of not able to fit in socially um he has a condition where he laughs at the wrong time um to the he it's as the wrong emotional reaction to situations yeah. he, he will and laugh it's like uncontrollable laughter yeah. yeah yeah where he's almost choking yeah so he it gets to it's almost like Gollum, like his yeah, yeah. Coughing thing. <laughs> like um he basically when he's in uncomfortable situations he laughs and i think that that's a really interesting like poetic choice for the character uh because in the comics obviously and like historically the joker laughs a lot at sadism and violence and that always felt like it was a personality trait where he was like, he got off on that stuff. That's where he gets his kicks. But in this, it's like that mental uh, illness that makes him do that, which is probably just like his brain misfiring um, is, is out of his control. It's not something that he wants. It's something that he just has in him that he can't control. And it also, um, I think really speaks to like poetically to the super fine line between comedy and horror or what is scary and what is funny. Mm-hmm. You know, we, as an audience, we always laugh at scary things. Like 
is like this weird way of breaking tension and they're often very uh opposite of each other yeah opposite extremes you don't think of them as being similar having a fine line at all but i think that they really they do like as far as the way our psychology reacts to those two things i think it's a very similar reaction and i think that Todd Phillips sort of like has this genius sort of undertone to this movie that like the line between what is funny and what is horrific is so thin. Um, and you know, it makes sense. There are a lot of jokes about like, you know, killing people and, and it, it, it can be, death can be funny when it's portrayed in a certain way and the absurdist nature of it and, and whatnot. And I think he definitely, hits that note really well in this movie of like what is funny and what is horrific and you know is Arthur's life a joke because it's like so bad or Mm -hmm. does it feel like some cosmic joke or does it feel like it's not that does it feel like a tragedy like right and and it could be either and Um, it's like it's it's like his quote, he always thought his life was a tragedy, but turns out it's a comedy yeah. in so many words. Um, and at its heart, this movie really is a character study. Uh, but again, you can't ignore the social and political. I, I was going to say tones, but honestly, it's more heavy handed than that. Yeah, um, it's pretty overt. At times, I think it's and I think it's worth uh, discussing kind of the effect that has on an audience. I know there's been a lot of talk of how it's almost um, giving like incels and the like, like another thing to look up to or kind of praise. Um, And I do think at times it does kind of totes the poisonous idea of, Oh, everyone's bad sort of almost, almost too heavily. But again, I think, it works for the point of view that we're seeing it from. Yeah. I couldn't stop thinking about that. I couldn't stop thinking about what like an incel would think watching this movie. Yeah. It's hard to ignore. And how like, I don't know if triggering is the right word, but maybe. Yeah. I don't want to give it that much power to say that it would really incite any specific actions. Cause I know that that has also been talked about. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to ignore the fact that, you know, people who want to commit violent acts look for symbolic ways to yeah, do that. Exactly. And, and that the, this movie I think could be used as that for them. But like, to me, that's definitely the wrong message of the movie. Um, oh yes. I definitely I think agree. like, even though Arthur, I think, is portrayed as a very sympathetic person. And I think that there are people whose lives are like that because of how messed up the world is and because mental illness is a real thing and it goes unchecked and it's not talked about enough. I think that the idea that your takeaway is that he is justified in his violence towards people is that's where it's completely skewed and where I think you're supposed to realize he's a deranged person who isn't getting the help he needs and his actions are not justified. They're the actions of a, of an, 
someone who's like criminally insane. Right. And that's super important to understand. Yeah. Um, but I also think that that might even be doing the mental health portion of this movie an injustice in portraying somebody with mental health health as being dangerously crazy. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And yeah. Inflicting harm on others. Uh, I know often people who suffer from poor mental health or, you know, whatever it may be, that's like a really wide oh, spectrum. It's a of, spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but often they'll be the victims of violence. It's mm -hmm. important not to think of them only as the perpetrators of, um, which he was also a victim. At least oh, yeah. he began that way yeah. in this film. Uh, and I actually thought when it started, I thought I was going to be just so sad at his victimhood the entire time, which I, I was, I was sympathetic, but I did grow a little less sympathetic at times. Mm -hmm. I think that that's fair. I mean, like, the you know the subjective nature of film is that you take away whatever is for you the thing that makes sense about it i think i never lost my my sympathy for him because i feel like for someone who is that mentally ill their actions are almost out of their control mm -hmm. and i feel like really his behavior felt like a symptom of the system failing him yeah. um, because people like that need, need a support structure and he didn't have one. It was so frustrating to see the system, not only the system, but just society as a whole fail him over and over again. Yeah. And, and that happens and it's, and it's incredibly tragic. And I think that that's like why, you know, we, that's why so many people feel the need to expand like the healthcare system and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And that's why this movie, whether or not Todd Phillips wanted it, I think is a political statement um, yeah. because as it relates to the real world, there's things we can do about that. And, and there's people we can vote for that care about these same issues and stuff like that. So it is political in that regard, but yeah. I also don't mean to get super political with it. I just mean to sure, yeah. provide a context. Um, um. Well, aside from being a character study, if anyone takes anything away from it, that's what I would hope it would be. Yeah. The uh, mental health aspect and kind of society or a broken system failing, you know, victim or people with mental health issues at every turn. Um, yeah. Or, you know, mental health issues or not, even just, you know, impoverished. Mm -hmm. But that's the message that I would hope people would sort of try to interpret from this as opposed to the everything is bad. Society is bad and people are shit. Yeah. And like, <laughs> it's time for the gamers to rise up. And, yeah. and, you know, when we live in a society uh, and there's no group more oppressed than like the, the white male who can't get a girlfriend <laughs> like that, you know, you laugh and, and it is funny but there are people who actually take that to a logical conclusion of like, now I need to perform a mass shooting or something right. because I feel that way. Well, it's only it's only funny in the sense that it's so ridiculous when you really get down to like the people that really do take it to that level. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I mean, too. A, whole, when, a problem in and of itself. Of the what is funny versus what is tragic and, right. and scary. And I think that like, you know, we look at that 
like gamers feeling oppressed thing as mm-hmm. ridiculous. And there are right. some people who feel like that is their life and they relate really, really hard to that because they're, they've been, I don't know, rejected too many times by a woman or mm-hmm. whatever the hell it is that they are thinking. Yeah. And if they see anything, you know, like this, uh, that kind of, it validates sort of their right. feelings. It's validating. And I think that that's, that's why movies like this, I think can have that impact. But I also think that it's not, this, this movie isn't immoral in its no. own existence. I think it's misconstrued as being validating. Yeah. I think the problem is you can't, you can't force interpretation on people. Exactly. And there are people who are just going to have that takeaway, even though that's insane. <laughs> Clearly not what Todd Phillips was trying to do. Clearly not what Joaquin Phoenix wants. It's, it's just a consequence of the subjective nature of art that people can conflate it and use it for their own agendas. And that in itself is like a political statement, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's actually like a meta argument because I think that happens within the movie too. We, we have the, you know, the Joker, once he's like sort of in his final iteration uh, towards the end of the movie, he uh, unwittingly created a movement um, because he killed three got like essentially like wall street type dudes mm-hmm. um who were attacking him on a train um on the subway he he killed them with a gun that was given to him and uh that created like a, a societal movement in the town of like basically eat the rich mm-hmm. and you know and that's what made him feel maybe a little bit validated in himself, but also that's when he started to finally feel seen as he yeah. says, I think that's pretty much his exact words or people were starting to notice him. Yeah. Cause he felt invisible right. to that point, which I think is like a, a feeling a lot of people have that end up conducting acts of violence like that. Absolutely. You don't do those sorts of things if you feel surrounded and lifted up. Yeah. <laughs> and like loved and, yeah, exactly. and cared about you feel that way. You do things like that when you're incredibly isolated and mm-hmm. you feel like you are invisible and, and life is pain and it's negative thought and all this stuff. Um, and we see the sort of things that have helped him not fall that far go away. And that's mm-hmm. like part of his descent. Um, and like you said, like, I don't want it to paint a picture that mental illness means violence. Like, Exactly. This is an extreme case. It's not. It's an extreme case and it's a specific case. Yeah. You know, one of the most famous supervillains yeah. in comic book history. Yeah, exactly. So um, a bit nuanced, that's for sure. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it works really well though. I think mm-hmm. um, that the presentation, I think really does its job and it's, it's very consistent, I think, in its uh, in its portrayal, and I think it makes the point that it's trying to make. And mm-hmm. as long as you're not like an incel yourself, I think that the right. right message will be taken from this. You would hope. Yeah, I mean, I would. You hope. definitely have faith in moviegoers. Yeah, in general. <laughs> yeah, I definitely do. That's good. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I was definitely not feeling. Uh, <laughs> Every time I go to a movie premiere, I think about what's happened in the world. That's oh, the whole Eric thing. wasn't feeling safe. Yeah, I don't. I never feel safe in public. That that's my own agoraphobia, and it's not your problem. Um, I think that's a whole, that's another society problem. You can probably get right all into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can talk about that. Let's talk about how the terrorists have won. Yeah, let's talk about how mind. Eric is scared to go to the movies. I'm scared to go to the movies. <laughs> actually really terrible and sad. Um, or really funny. Yeah, let's laugh. The fine it. line between comedy. <laughs> See, we're laughing about something terrible. Because we're uncomfortable. <laughs> because we're uncomfortable. And that's um, <laughs> the point, is that this movie is about that very interesting uh, psychological line mm-hmm. between those things. Yep. Um, or if it's not about it, it at least is constantly demonstrating Speaks it. Speaks to it, yeah. Um, and I think that that works so well. His laughter at the wrong times, I think is one of the most powerful motifs in this movie. Um, him just having that weird cackle, like when no one else is laughing and when he really shouldn't be laughing you know, he goes to uh, see someone else do stand up and he laughs when no one else laughs and he doesn't laugh when the jokes are being, when the punchline yeah. is delivered. I kind of, I don't know if I noticed this incorrectly or whatever, but it almost seemed that he was trying to make himself laugh when everyone else was laughing. Like he was trying to yeah. um, fake social. Normal cues. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely possible because um, I feel like he had more than one type of laugh. I feel like there was the laugh that he did when he was like in a bad situation. And then there was a laugh that he did in social situations where he didn't know what to do. And then, you know, like those are two different. They felt like two different things. Like yeah. even the way he was laughing was like a different kind of laugh sometimes and sometimes it was kind of hard to tell but sometimes it was a little more obvious i think there was a point maybe at his job Mm -hmm. and he was laughing and he turned the corner and just stopped i don't remember which scene that was in yeah they they call him a freak or something yeah he leaves the room and he's like cackling and then he turns a corner and his face is just flat affect he wasn't feeling anything yeah i really liked that i really liked that a lot. I thought that was one of the best like shots in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like the glaring thing that I need to say about this movie is that it's like 99% the movie taxi driver. Yes. I was waiting for this to come up because <laughs> <laughs> it's taxi driver and clown makeup. It really, it literally is like, it's the same movie. Mm-hmm. It's a guy who has severe mental illness. Um, there's nothing in place to like help him with that. On the edges of society. He's on the edge of society. He's given a, a weapon. He's given a firearm. And he starts conflating weird things that don't make any sense. Uh, he starts sort of tracking a politician with the vibe of wanting to kill him. Um you know, he he turns himself into sort of a white knight for this girl that is a prostitute, which is like, I think, similar to what Arthur does in this movie with that neighbor of his. With the single mom. The single mom. Yeah. yeah. Which 
Really quick too, I just want to say he, so he had delusions during the movie yeah. of being with her, yeah. which I honestly didn't catch. I didn't catch on that. It was illusions. I mean, I don't think it was I, super obvious. I thought I definitely had the vibe of like, I don't think this is real because I felt like anytime he was acting with confidence yep. was a projection. It felt unreal. Like when he first went to her apartment yeah. and just started kissing her and she like it. let him in. I was yeah. like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Which is sort of sad because honestly, I just didn't think, I just didn't think there was a way that she could be in. Well, that's, that's not the, that's not the reaction that I think most people would have in right. that scenario. Um, you know, he had seen her one time and she did a thing that made him think, oh, she, she relates. Like right. she made a gesture of shooting herself in the head because her daughter said some her daughter was like incessant with, with unnecessary questions or something. And, um, and then his reaction was, Oh man, maybe she's like me. And yeah. And it was such a short lived, um, interaction as well. Yeah. It's not like they interacted at length, just the small amount of time he had with her. Yeah. And he, and he formed this whole fantasy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, because he doesn't have anyone and he's this, he's this fringe person and she was the closest thing to a relationship basically that he had in his life, which is awful. So sad. Yeah. So it's so (laughs) sad. To think about. Um, And so he formed this whole fantasy of, you know, the life that he wanted with her. But I always had the vibe that like his confidence any any scene in which we see him with great confidence was a fantasy. I see. That yeah. makes sense now. Like there's scenes where he has like swagger and he has like Yes. No, know, I agree. Yeah. Absolutely. And he can talk without messing up and stuff. I think that that's all anytime he's doing that is like he's envisioning that, but it's not real. That's fair. Until maybe the end when he's like... Yeah, it feels like towards the end he starts to sort of get this newfound confidence that still doesn't really suit him. Yeah. There's like that scene in the hospital when he's talking to the two detectives and then he kind of walks away with this confidence and swagger. But and he hits walks the door. Directly into a door. Yeah. So... That was a really interesting scene. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that was actually one of the most maybe creatively... Um, uh, obscure scenes. It was obscure. It was almost very slapstick. Yeah. But in a dark place. So it was unexpected at the same time. Yeah. It was, it's again, I think the movies is messing with ideas of what's funny versus what's serious. Yeah. Um, definitely toes that line. Yeah. And I think that scene was like a great example of it and definitely felt awkward. I think as far as like normal movie conventions, but I think, given the motif of this movie, it was really effective and it just contributed to the whole vibe that was going on. Um, but anyway, back to the taxi driver. Yes. Um, sorry to do that. No, that's okay. Um, it's just like, it's so weird how much this movie just is taxi driver. It really just is. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's not a secret that, uh, Phillips is a huge fan of Scorsese himself. Yeah. As well. Chase. <laughs> <laughs> um, wasn't he 
signed on to do something with this movie very early on. I think he was, yeah. I but think he walked was like away. A Scorsese yeah. Thing, joint, as so, you would say. Yeah. So that is interesting. And the fact that Robert De Niro's in it, um, I think it's like, I don't know if it's heavy handed, but it's like an allusion to, it's sort of this like meta statement of the fact that like he had the mantle originally and now he's like the oppressor in yeah. this, in this movie, um, playing the flip side of the, of that character. Uh, just very interesting. It, 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 is. it really is just that movie. And I, I don't know. I don't mind that personally. I don't mind seeing the same story done in a new way. Uh, yeah. I don't. Or even in the same way. I guess it's not really even done <laughs> in an, in a new way. It's just, it's just that movie again, the Joker yeah. instead, yeah. but <laughs> it's still, I don't know. I just thought the movie worked and I like it worked too. Again, I think a lot of that is a nod to also um, his eye for just aesthetics yeah, that was such a huge part of why I liked this. It wasn't even necessarily the message, though. I think it's important to, you know, listen to that as well. Yeah, just the cinematography and the music, and oh yeah, um, even I hate trying to pronounce his name, Joaquin, 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 <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix. His, performance just his weird dancing and movements and like body contortions it was incredible and silhouettes against these really cool backdrops and lots of smoke yeah. like coming into the scenes yeah. kind of was cool too that actually was really surprising not to derail too much no, no. but the anytime he was smoking mm-hmm. looked so much more confident and this might just be That's a hollywood thing yeah like the we associate smoking with like looking cool cool yeah but there was something that seemed more relaxed and more calm about him anytime he was smoking. That's true. And I know that cigarettes in general are supposed to calm your nerves when people who are smokers take a cigarette. It's often to help themselves relax. But I think like he, I, I don't know what was going on there. I feel like there was an artistic decision to make him look relaxed when he was smoking and like, more put together than he does when he's not. And maybe I'm projecting because of the perception of smokers in Hollywood for forever. Didn't we have a short period in Hollywood? uh, And I mean, recently, like in the early 2000s or something. Yeah. Where they refused to put cigarettes in movies. Yeah, I feel like there was like a... I didn't dream that. Well, I don't know what the official like law was, but there was... Definitely a time where actually I think it's like TV or something. I feel like there's like no cigarettes on TV for okay. a while or something like that. But yeah, there was there was like a very strong push against showing cigarettes um, and smoking. And it actually it still feels weird, I think, to see like someone smoking indoors like that in a modern movie. Um like in a hospital, you know, smoking. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. We brought that up too. I was sitting next to, uh, Andrew yeah. <laughs> and he goes, you can't smoke in a hospital. Well, you could. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I also, I don't know if the Joker cares much about laws and yeah. rules. Yeah. Or Arthur. Or if he even knows. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that was a really interesting creative choice to, 
uh, have him be a smoker at all, for one thing, because I think that that comes with its own aesthetic. And Mm -hmm. I think that like that really does change the way he looks and feels as a character when he's doing that versus when he's not. So I'd be interested to hear like what Todd Phillips has to say about that and what Joaquin has to say about that. Yeah, I haven't listened or read many interviews with either of them, but yeah, I haven't either. I definitely want to now after seeing it. I'm glad I went in um, fairly blind, other than reviews. Uh, this movie was really well reviewed and well received at first when it was debuting at festivals. I think it won the Golden Lion mm-hmm. at the Venice Film Festival. Like that's the top prize there. Um, so it was doing really well until its theatrical release and critics started to. It became very divisive instead very of like unanimously yeah. yeah. It was certainly not, it's certainly not unanimous yeah. now, which is fair. Um, yeah. And I, fine. I like to hear both sides of the coin too. Although I still do think that I liked it regardless. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it too. Criticisms. I liked it a lot. Um, I think that if you're going to like remake another movie, uh, taxi driver is one to go for. And it's like, I don't feel like that story has been done a bunch of times. Like, right. And you don't, but it wouldn't work as a direct remake. You want kind of a, a remake. That had been in talks for a long time too. Had it? Either a remake or a sequel to taxi a driver sequel. with Robert De Niro that again. Bad. Yeah. I mean like a both sequel. of those are stupid, <laughs> weird concepts. That's a very me. weird. Um, but like, why would you remake it? It's like such a perfect, unique, I don't know. Anyway, ta- I think Taxi Driver is an amazing movie if if that hasn't become clear um, in talking oh, about yeah, this. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think that this movie is so much that movie that it's like hard to say I don't like this movie because I think it captures so much of the essence of that movie successfully. Right. And it's got a great aesthetic in general. So... I think like stylistically it's on point um, thematically it's on point. If anything, it's, it's, I still find myself asking the question of like, did it need to get made? Yeah. And I can't truthfully say that it did, but I do think, I do think like, despite that it was enjoyable. Yeah. um, Very weird feelings about it. Cause I feel the same way. Well, I liked it and I'm here for it and I enjoyed watching it. Yeah. Uh, I'm still questioning if we really needed it. Right. Like, I wonder what people will say about this movie in 10 years. Like if they'll even be mm. talking about it That's or a very if good it point. will have like faded into total obscurity yeah. because it was so much a copycat of like an existing classic right. or fade into obscurity or become a weird cult classic. Yeah. Like, or, a weird, yeah, yeah. like I just don't know like what people will think of this movie um, that far down the road. Cause you know, we talk about, societally we talk about Heath Ledger like nonstop and his performance as the Joker in, mm-hmm. in Dark Knight. And that movie I think had, that was a Batman movie. Yes. And, and I think that's like a different thing than what this was. This was like the truest character study. I think you could really get of that care of the Joker. Right. Um, Which also arguably I don't, I didn't want. Yeah. Um, I like the mystery behind the psycho villain. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's I a, didn't want to hear his origin and see where he came from. Right. Well, that's like the, 
the Solo movie. Did you see that? Uh, the Han Solo movie? I half watched it on an airplane. Like, okay. I didn't pay much attention. I saw it in theaters. Yeah. And I thought that was the worst Star Wars movie. Like, really? Of all the Star Wars movies. Maybe other than the prequels. Like, I thought it was so bad. And it was the most unnecessary movie, I think, like, we could have gotten. I think just the moment that I heard it was going to exist, I wrote it off as a standalone and just didn't accept it into my Star Wars life. Yeah, and that's fine. <laughs> I mean, like, it really is just... It's like the fourth Indiana Jones movie. Like, people pretend um, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Like, I, I do that with a lot of movies, honestly. And, and to be fair... I went with people who really liked it, which you is did? really weird. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't stand it. I felt like every single line was like designed to be like, Oh, remember Chewy? Like, remember, a, yeah, like a weird fan service. Yeah. Like so fan service. Mm. And it was just like such an ugly attempt at that to me. I, I was so, it left such a bad taste in my mouth, like watching that movie. Um, cause it was such a useless demonstration of like telling an origin story that no one wanted or whatever. Like Han Solo was a cool dude in the, the original movies and we don't need to see him being like an uncool we don't, dude. Yeah, exactly. Cool dude. Exactly. Like, it's just not, that's not required. I don't want that. And that being said, like, I think part of my trepidation about this Joker movie was that I didn't need to see all that. It's a movie that feels unnecessary, but did a really good job in spite of that. Yeah, especially as a standalone. Um, Sometimes I do think it gets a little too... maybe pretentious in its own right. Mm -hmm. It kind of falls over itself in what it's trying to say. And there are definitely a lot of nods to some older... um, Like, we already discussed Taxi Driver... And you didn't actually see the opening credit, but the title screen looks, it's like the exact same title screen as a Clockwork Orange almost. Like the font. Really? And how they put it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Like exactly the same. Yeah. I, I was stuck in line getting popcorn. Yeah. So it's almost like Phillips was sort of just taking a lot of good things from good movies, which honestly, I feel like so many directors do that. That's what you yeah. do is you... Your movies are an ode to movies you love. And I don't see anything wrong with that normally. So. Yeah. And we talked about this when we talked about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. And how Tarantino, like, he's not even, like, doing illusions. He's, like, straight right. ripping off. And that's the first thing I thought directors. of, too, is Tarantino, who's, you know, famous in and of its himself. Um, and he still does that all the time. Yeah. And Tom Phillips, I think, is becoming a name. Like, you know, whether or not... Whatever you thought of it, I think the Hangover trilogy is like has an enduring legacy. It's like a comedy that people oh, sure. talk about. And wasn't I don't know if I saw War Dogs, but wasn't that kind of well received? Yeah, I think it was. I never I didn't see it in either. a surprising way. Um, I mean, maybe nothing of note, you know, in an extreme way, but I think it was like supposed to be better than you might have expected from the director of the Hangover trilogy, for example. Yeah, 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 totally. Or road trip. <laughs> road trip. I mean, what? Uh, so, yeah, I think, like, that being said, I do. It's interesting because, like, some people, some directors, I think, are much more ashamed of their own 
derivativeness or their own homaginess. Mm-hmm. Like um, Robert Eggers, who directed The Witch, in interviews about that, he has talked about how like disgusted he is with himself about how much The Witch feels like The Shining to him. And what? it's so interesting. Honestly, I didn't even draw that. Parallel. I don't think a lot of people would. And like, I had that thought, like there, there is a vibe there that feels Kubrickian. It feels like the shining, but I never would have thought like, Oh, this guy's just ripping on. The Literally shining. never. Honestly, it seems like a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> so, but like to him, right. Obviously that must've been so ingrained in his brain as he was making that movie of like, I want it to look like this because the shining did that and it looks great or whatever. And to him, there's enough influence there um, that whether or not it comes across on the screen to us, he feels like gross for how derivative he feels in himself. Mm -hmm. And that's so interesting to me because I feel like so many directors must do that. Um, You you know, even the greatest directors always talk about the directors that came before them. Um, that's just always been a thing. Um, unless you're going back to like silent films and people had nothing to draw upon yeah. in the world of film. And I mean, I, I don't know. I think that's kind of great. I don't think everything has to be a thousand percent an original idea. No, I don't either. Which I know originality is becoming more and more scarce, I guess, arguably in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But I don't care. <laughs> I, I think that it's like, it definitely is just always going to be a thing. I mean, yeah. I think that I think that there is maybe too much emphasis put on how unoriginal things are now. I when agree. Like, when you look in the 40s and and stuff, there was like 12 movies about boxers every year. You know, like it, right. th- there were so many tropes of old movies that were done to death. Mm-hmm. Um that I don't think it's really worse now. Um I think it's kind of just the same. And I think um directors like Robert Eggers are incredibly original and unique and are trying to tell a story that hasn't been told. If it has, if it has been told, at least not in that way. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the lighthouse is coming up soon and that looks incredibly unique and original. Incredibly unique. I'm so excited for that movie. Oh my God. I am too. It looks so weird. Yeah. That's such an Eric movie. Like the trailer just has me like, so excited. Robert Pattinson. Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. Seagulls. And seagulls, yeah. And tentacles. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's just, yeah. It looks absolutely incredible. But anyway, um, that is to say that, like, I don't discredit Todd Phillips for saying, no, I'm going to make a movie that is a, a lot like Taxi Driver. No, I don't at all either. Um, that movie has not been remade. If you want to say like movies have been remade, uh, spiritual successors to films like that. I don't think Taxi Driver is like a heavily tapped resource in that regard. I don't think so either. And I think there are a lot of character study movies about people with mental health issues, but I don't think anything felt like that movie. Mm-hmm. And this is like, the first movie to really feel like it. And that's okay. Um, again, I question if this movie needed to exist. And I've, that's sort of like my biggest takeaway is like, how do I feel about the fact that this movie even was made mm-hmm. and exists? And I feel weird about that, but I can't argue with the result, which is, I think it was like a really well done movie. 
Um, I think Walking Phoenix was like incredible in this movie. Like, yeah. That was such a fully realized person. Um, his weight loss, his like wiry frame, his movements, his his voice. His uh, weight loss was very a la Christian Bale and yeah. the, mach- the Machinist. Yeah, right? the Machinist. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt very like that, but even more so because I think Christian Bale didn't look like he was like physically different like he didn't feel like he was moving like a weirdo like yeah walking phoenix combined incredible weight loss with like someone whose body is just this like one taut sinewy frame that is always doing weird stuff because he's like always thinking about performing and acting and and dancing and and everything that he is like always thinking about you know, he's acting as if he's always being seen and mm-hmm. like he needs to always be putting on this performance. And he, he practices just like in his solitude, he's constantly practicing for like if he is seen. Um, and I think that that is such a unique thing and it comes across really powerfully um, in the movie. His performance is just so, so good. He definitely, I think, should get a nomination for an Oscar. I would be shocked if he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, if not win it, uh, that was just such a stellar performance. I think that this will be an Oscar contender. Yeah, I think so too. Do you think Best Picture? Do you think... I don't know. I think it could be. Um, I might say first the Best Director. Yeah. Best Director... Um, it might get it for cinematography or get a nomination for cinematography. I'm hoping for that one. Um, possibly score. The score is actually really simple. It is. It is very simple. It's literally two notes that just play back and forth with like very like subdued string swells underneath and stuff, but really effective. Um, the vibe of the movie is very, very good and very consistent. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on it. You feel like you talked about it to your heart's content? Yeah, I think so. I think I've pretty much said everything I need to say about it so far. I'm still letting it marinate. We just saw this last night. Yeah. And I, it's a, I think it's a psychologically dense movie. Um, even though the story is, is quite simple and straightforward, I think there is a lot to feel about it. And like in the, in the meta sense, thinking about it, like as a movie and everything, there's a lot there too. Yes, there is. I do. But, um, I think aesthetically it was a win no matter what I do want to kind of digest the content a bit more. Um, but overall good. (laughs) I'm giving a thumbs up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really liked it. Um, I wouldn't say it's like my favorite movie of the year or anything. No, I don't think so for me either. But I did like it a lot. Yes. All right. So that's it for the Joker Um, or Joker. Just Joker. Just Joker. Yeah. Joker by Todd Phillips. Um, Thanks for listening in. And uh, hopefully we'll be back real soon with another episode. Bye, everyone. Adios.